There's none other under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm glad that I know the name of Jesus. And I'm glad that I've used it. Amen. While you're standing, I'm going to read my first verses, and then you can be seated. Uh, if you did not get a handout, they are at the back door there on the chair, and there's pens if you need one of those. Um, we are continuing with the series that Pastor uh, has been doing the last couple of weeks, and uh, we're still in Proverbs, and uh, Proverbs 4, and I want to read verses 23 through 27 for our setting tonight. And our topic is going to be keeping your heart with all diligence, keeping your heart with all diligence. And so Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let mine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. You may be seated. It's uh, always good to uh, take the time to read some Proverbs. I know somebody told me one time before, I think it was in Bible college, that if you're young, you should read a chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. <laughs> There's so much wisdom there, you can read it over and over and over and get something new every time. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad we're in this series of Proverbs. Uh, this was the very first book that uh, when I came back in the church and we were having a quiz team, this was the first book that we studied. And so uh, that was back in that year for all of our ex-quizzers here. Uh, they had to memorize all the chapters, all 31 chapters of Proverbs. <laughs> so it was interesting. Uh, but uh, there was a list that came out recently listing the 10 most secure places in the world. Think about it, the 10 most secure places in the world. And I'm just going to go over five of them. Uh, the first one, the president's private plane, Air Force One. I'm glad it is one of the secure places. <laughs> uh, two, and this one's been in the news lately, Area 51. Top secret Air Force base in Nevada. Uh, so secretive that the military refuses to acknowledge that it exists. It is rumored to have uh, sensors that actually are able to determine what enters the area based on how it smells. So we had some people saying if, if everybody storms Area 51 at, on a certain date, same thing, they won't be able to stop us all. They forget those guys have bullets. <laughs> And uh, it, it is a military base, and so it's not something they're just going to allow to happen. Uh, they are going to protect it. Uh, the most interesting is a multi-story parking garage in the heart of England. It is 10 floors high and will house 440 cars. It uses for security a barcode system and sensors. In the six years of operation, no cars have been stolen, broken into, or vandalized. And the fourth one, I'm going to come back to number three, is Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado, location for the U.S. War Room, which is housed under 600 meters of solid rock. And so I find it interesting that we have three of these four in the United States, and we all think of them as very secure and very important to be secure. 
What does England have? Parking garage. <laughs> I don't know, it just hit me funny. <laughs> Safest place in England is the parking garage. So I think I'll stay where I'm at. <laughs> and then the fifth one you might be familiar with, the most secure place in the world is said to be Fort Knox. Fort Knox is located close to Louisville, Kentucky, just north of Radcliffe, and it's home to much of the nation's gold reserve. Not all of it, but much of it. Uh, there's some uh, how uh, reserve and protected this is. Our nation's gold reserve, um, it, the gold that uh, received this house in two-story building constructed of granite, steel, and concrete. It is 100 feet by 121 feet, and is 42 feet above ground level. Within the building is a two-level steel and concrete vault that is divided into compartments. The vault door weighs more than 20 tons. No one person is entrusted with a combination. Various members of the staff must dial separate combinations known only to them. The vault casing is constructed with steel plates, steel I-beams, and steel cylinders laced with uh, hoop bands and encased in concrete. <laughs> Talk about some reinforced concrete. The outer wall of the depository is constructed of granite lined with concrete. Construction materials used on the building included 16,500 cubic feet of granite, 4,200 cubic yards of concrete, 750 tons of reinforcing steel and 670 tons of structural steel. At each corner of the structure uh, on, of the outside uh, are the guard boxes at the corners. Uh, they're located at the entrance gate. A driveway encircles the building with a steel fence that marks the boundaries of the site. Some people say the field is mined, I don't know. I'm not jumping the fence to find out. <laughs> Uh, the building is equipped with the latest and most modern protective system. The nearby Army post provides uh, additional protection. The depository is equipped with its own emergency power plant, water systems, and other facilities. In the basement is a pistol range for the use of the guards. Indeed, it is one of the most secure, protected places on Earth. Uh, it is said that the amount of gold that is in there, according to today's value of the dollar, $190 billion. 190 billion. And to me, it's such a contrast that we have 190 billion right down the road. And before you get there, we got trailers that aren't worth hardly anything. Uh, it's not what you're close to, it's what you have. And uh, too many times people think they get close to something and that makes, makes it for them. But if they don't have use of it, it's not for them. Uh, <clears throat> there was um, in 1948, the uh, Secretary of the United States, John Snyder, visited in 1948. And then, uh, later on, Mitch McConnell and Steve Muchin, 2017, just a couple years ago, our Senator Mitch McConnell uh, was able to go in and visit. The reason nobody knows much about what's in there is because hardly anybody's been in there. Many of the guards that work there have not been in the actual vault. Uh, one of the ones who was there during the building uh, that was a guard is the owner of the Gold Vault Inn. <laughs> he worked there, but of course they all signed secrecy things that they can't, can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> in 
And so that's one of the reasons it's so secure is that there are not many people have been able to see it or be in it or be around it that much. Matter of fact, sometimes if you just pull over and stop and try to take a picture, here they come. Oh, <laughs> uh, Met guards, they, they're serious. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, there's another place which needs to be well guarded. You must make certain of its security because it's the most important place in the world. That place is your heart. What is the heart? A lot of people we talk of, we mention heart, but uh, a lot of people have different meanings for it. So we want to look at what the scripture uh, meaning of the heart is. Uh, when the writer penned the words of Proverbs chapter 4.23, he obviously was not speaking about the human organ uh, made of muscle, tissue, and vessels. The Hebrew word for heart in the passage is, is leb. According to online Bible Thayer's Greek excline and brown driver, the heart refers to the following. And so here's your first blanks. A, the inner man. The inner man. And B, the mind. The mind. C, the will. The will. D, understanding. Understanding in the inner part. E, the midst, midst of things. F, the soul. G, knowledge, thinking is the blank. Thinking, reflection, and the memory. The memory. Am I going too fast? Everybody getting it? Okay. Inclination, resolution, and determination of the will is H. Will. I is conscience, the conscience. J is the seat of the appetites. You think your stomach has the appetites, but it's your heart. K, the seat of the emotions. Emotions. And the passions. And L, the seat of courage. The seat of courage. And we welcome those who are watching us online tonight. And uh, thank you for viewing. And uh, appreciate people who watch online when they can't be here. Uh, Sister Cooper is having trouble with her eyes. She's not able to be here tonight. Um, I hope people don't stay home because it's so much easier to watch online. But if you have to be home and can't come to church, it is nice to have. So see, you can see from this list, the heart encompasses the entire core of what an individual is. So it ha all has to do with what an individual is. Uh, it, it's not just that organ that pumps your blood. 
There's a lot more than that. Uh, you can see uh, what you really are when we talk about what you really are. And D. Solomon states that we should keep our heart with all diligence. Diligence. And so when we say diligence, a lot of people think they know what it means. Other people aren't sure. But the word uh, keep means to guard. Diligence means to guard. Guard is that blank. It was used in the Old Testament uh, to mean to guard diligently against the enemy or to regulate with careful discipline or to maintain with proper supplies. And so there was uh, kind of a lot to it. it. It wasn't just, okay, I'll just kind of watch out. No, it was, it was guard. A guard does more than watch out. <laughs> and something happens, they make sure that it doesn't get in where it's not supposed to be. Um, we guard or protect the things that we consider as valuable or that we would consider to be a treasure. You know, you don't uh, take your trash bag when it's time to put it out in the garbage and go put it in the safe just so make nobody gets it before you put it out for trash. <laughs> you know, you, you, you protect the things that you consider are uh, important or valuable. Uh, and again, there's so many things that we think are important. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't really have that much that I have to lock up. <laughs> um, but I do have a little safe that has our papers in it. And that's about it. <laughs> keep our passports in there and keep the insurance policies in there. And both my kids know if anything happens to us or the house burns down, go look for that little safe and you'll have all the answers you need. <laughs> My whole life fits in a little safe, about that big. <laughs> uh, if you want to you break in and rob me, it, it doesn't have any money at all in it. <laughs> uh, so uh, the treasure that Solomon is concerned about is your heart. That's what he's talking about here in Proverbs. Uh, not the heart-pumping muscle that keeps us alive, but our mind, our emotions, our will, it is the very center of our being. It's who we really are. What we are told to keep our heart with all diligence. And diligence to me means pay attention. <laughs> it's not something that you just do lightly. Uh, you, you make an effort to do it exactly so. And so, um, you know, sometimes we, we think that uh, it doesn't matter what we're exposed to. But the Bible is very clear on this whenever it talks about it, that we are to guard our heart uh, because we have to be careful what, what we allow in. And uh, many times we allow things in that we don't realize we are letting in. And uh, whatever goes in is in there, and there's different triggers that will pull it out or pull it back to your remembrance. And uh, you know, we, don't, we don't realize how much that really, uh, really goes in. But if I were to say, uh, you deserve a break today, McDonald's now, I'm loving it, but uh, <laughs> uh, where's the beef? Only the older folks know that one. Uh, now, this one everybody probably knows, but I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> uh, 
and one I know most of you won't know except people my age. I'm stuck on Band-Aids, and Band-Aids are stuck on me. <laughs> so you had no idea all that stuff was still in there. <laughs> and I thought about coming up with some more modern ones, but I thought, no, I don't really want them thinking about that stuff, so <laughs> I'm not going into that. Uh, but when computers first came out, one of the things that was mentioned over and over, if you had anything to do with computers when they first came out, when they were big and then they finally got to the desktops or whatever, but they, they still, um, the big thing was garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> and that's the way it is with your heart. <laughs> whatever you put in is what's going to come out. And uh, when you were doing that with the computer, if you put in the wrong thing, the wrong thing was going to come out. The computer is not going to correct you. Now we do have spelling autocorrect and those things, but still, if you put the wrong thing in, <laughs> it's still going to, to not come out like you want it. And spell check can mess you up sometimes. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes a difference. Uh, I was at the, interestingly enough, I was at the heart doctor and I just had a, a test and I was going to find out the results from it. This was several years back, and uh, I had left school early to, to go there, and my assistant was still there, and uh, she texted me and said, what did you find out? And I said, well, they're standing room only, and uh, I'm still standing here, and I'd been fasting for three days, couldn't have any chocolate or caffeine or anything, and at the end I put, I want chocolate. I put in CH, but I messed up. So when she read it, it said, I want children. <laughs> so I got a real fast text back, what? <laughs> so then I wrote, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> yeah, the computer's not always going to do it right, that's for sure. Uh, we, <laughs> yep. He says here, uh, why should we guard the heart? The writer gives us a seemingly simplified answer when he says, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life. Just what are the issues of life? What, what are we referring to? Strong concordance gives us some insight, insight into what the uh, writer was referring to. It states the issues are the ongoings of a life, the borders of a life. First one's outgoings of a life and then the borders of a life. Or in easier terms, the things that define and determine, define and determine a life. So uh, another illustration, uh, you build a brand new house and I can relate to this because we bought our house when it was just a concrete slab. There was nothing else on it. And uh, we watched them, not every day, but we, we went by several times a week to see the progress and see what they were doing. So we, we got to see everything that was going in. And so then you move in on moving day and you put the lax box away and you find your nice clean glasses and pull one out and turn on the faucet at the sink and you get muddy, horrible water that comes out. It's brown and slimy. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw them put new, new pipes in here. 
I saw them put all, all new stuff in here. What is this? And it smells terrible. <laughs> well, you think maybe you just need to let it run. Anybody ever done that? Your water doesn't look right, you just let it run. Sometimes that works. <laughs> if it's brown, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> and so uh, you let it run and run and run. It doesn't, doesn't get any better. Uh, you think, I watched them put all this in. I know it was all good. What, what could be the problem? Why is the water so filthy? So you take a walk over to the reservoir where your water comes from. You couch down and scoop up some water, and immediately you know <laughs> what the trouble is. The water in the reservoir is polluted. It's brown and slimy, just like the water in your kitchen. How are you going to fix that problem? Either you need to clean up the water in the reservoir, or you need to filter the junk that's coming in. And uh, most of the time, the junk that's coming in would clog up the filter pretty fast. So it's best to go back to the reservoir. But to be safe, you do both. You make sure the reservoir is clean. And if you have water in your house, you usually, especially if you have a refrigerator that gives you water, you have a filter on it. And some people won't drink it without the filter. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just so shocking to me how far we have come. If you had told me years ago that we would be drinking water out of bottles, I'd said you were crazy. You know, we thought the garden hose was pretty good. <laughs> Because we weren't allowed to run in and out of the house. <laughs> you had to get a drink outside. And uh, sometimes you'd collect enough bottles to go get you a Pepsi. But uh, you, you, we don't realize how important water is. And that if it, you know, the, the thing that we go through today, I mean, how many different kinds of water do we have today? It's just unbelievable how far we've gone uh, with just this illustration of, of water. But if it's, if it's coming from a polluted source, then it's going to come out polluted. You can filter so much, but you can't filter it all. And so uh, it, our hearts are like that reservoir. Uh, they're the wellspring of life. The quality of life depends on what kind of water is in our hearts. The strong and obvious illusion here is that the arteries and our heart that carry the life-giving blood to the rest of our body. That's what we think of a lot when we think of heart. If the heart becomes diseased or clogged, then flow blood, the flow of blood is restricted. It's not just the heart which suffers under these conditions, but the entire body. And some of you will remember back a few years whenever <laughs> we were all here and I was teaching the Bible study and after the Bible study we uh, headed out and I pulled my phone out and realized my doctor was calling me and so... I called, called him back, and he said, where are you? I said, I'm at the church. He said, there were your son's names on the board? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll be right there. He said, I know you're not home because I'm at your house right now. I said, what? <laughs> well, I had taken a monitor back to him that day uh, of, um, that was monitoring my heart for the last 24 hours. And so he comes walking in the door, and everybody prayed for me before he got here. And uh, he walks in the door and immediately grabs my wrist and checking my pulse and uh, <laughs> he says I'm surprised you're still standing well my wife about fainted <laughs> I said what's wrong he said your heartbeat on the monitor was 200, 203 or 211 beats a minute 211 beats a minute and uh, so he said you're going to the hospital he said if you're, can your wife take you or do you want me to take you I said she can take me so he said, do not stop at the desk downstairs. Go straight up to the heart floor, and they'll get you right into bed. 
they did all kinds of stuff the next 24 hours, determined that, of course, yeah, that wasn't, uh, they still didn't know what it was, and so then they have to, have to go do the stress test, and so after the stress test, that's whenever I talked about the, the children and chocolate. Uh, <laughs> they said, well, after the stress test, we, we believe that you have 95% chance that you have blockage in your arteries. And so we need to do, put a catheter in and check and, and see how much that is, we can, you know, what we can do with it. I said, okay. So we go to the hospital. And uh, it wasn't that long off, but went in, had that done, and come in to me afterwards and said, you don't have any blockage. <laughs> so thank the Lord for that, especially, especially the way I eat. I mean, <laughs> there's nobody in my past that would think I could have no... No blockage in my arteries. <laughs> uh, so it had to be the Lord. Uh, but we, that's what we usually think of, but it affects the whole body. You know, they found out it was just a, uh, a rhythmic heartbeat. And so it's, I don't have the blockage, but we, we understand how important it is that the blood gets pumped to the right place at the right time. And so uh, it's the same way spiritually. Our inner man carries the life of the spirit to all areas of our life. If the inner man becomes diseased or clogged up, then the flow of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is those two blanks, is restricted in every area of our life. Physically, we do not practice good heart care. The arteries suffer, the lungs, the organs, and the extremities will all suffer. Spiritually, if we do not practice good heart care, the mind, the mind, the soul, and the spirit will all suffer. The mind, the soul, and the spirit will all suffer. Deuteronomy 4.9 states, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's the NIV version. Uh, and Proverbs 22.5 says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will keep from them. No scriptures? I thought they... Just notice we're not getting any scriptures up there. Okay, the interesting thing about this verse, in Proverbs 22, 5, thorns are snare in the way. He who guards himself will keep far from them. The interesting thing about that is the fact that, which immediately uh, follows that states, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so uh, if you don't guard your heart, then the truths that are there will be lost and the generations to come will suffer. And uh, if you're reading through our present Bible study and you're in Chronicles, you see this over and over. Uh, one generation suffers if the generation before them did not do the right things, did not keep their heart with diligence. And uh, you have to continue to trade up the child in the way he should go. And so uh, we, we realize that it's important uh, the one principle that uh, my wife and I made sure that our children knew is that God came first. God came first. 
And this was a little bit easier for us because I had a good example of my mother and father who always made sure that God came first. And so there was many things that, that my children are accustomed to and take for granted that people today don't even consider. Uh, our children not once ever ask us, are we going to church tonight? Never. If there was something going on at church, we were there. Uh, it, it's, you know, I, I was thinking last week, I know somebody had some dental work uh, last week, and I, I started to tell them, but I didn't, that um, <laughs> we were, the, within the first year after we came into the church, back in the church, um, I had to have all four of my wisdom teeth out. So I went in on Friday morning, had my four wisdom teeth uh, broke out, actually, instead of just pulled, because they were going sideways. Uh, but there was youth service that night. So guess where I was, big cheeks and all. <laughs> I was in the youth service, and the young people had the blast making fun of me, called me chipmunk and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, but to me, it was important that we understood that, that you put God first, and it didn't matter. You know, they, there was just certain things I never asked that I know other kids asked, but I would have never asked my parents. I knew better. I already knew the answer. There's no use in asking. And so if we set that example before our kids, if we show them how to keep their heart right, then they will be able to keep it right also. Uh, the heart has an incredible uh, propensity for evil. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Right? Good brings out good. Evil brings out evil. Matthew 15, 19, and 20. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. Murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And Mark 7, 21 to 23. For from within, out of the heart, men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye. Uh, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. The reason they come from within is because we have let them come in, and then they proceed out of the heart. If we don't allow them to come in, they won't be able to go out. Uh, we have to keep our heart with diligence. And so, uh, do you ever think about uh, the worm? You ever, do you ever take a bite of an apple and, and you find a wormhole? <laughs> Or you turn away because you see a wormhole. And uh, we, a lot of people thought that the worm would get on it and burrow his way in. But that's not the way it happens. That's not the way it happens. Uh, it actually, uh, um, an insect will lay an egg in the heart of the apple when it's a blossom. And then it will come out of the, its seed and it will grow and it will eat its way out. So the worm comes from the center of the apple out, not going in. That's the way it is with our heart. Things come out. And, uh, but again, something was allowed to get in there. Something was allowed to get in there. So, uh, G, God judges our heart. 
our heart as well as our actions. He judges our heart as well as our actions. You see, there are some people who can go through the right actions, but they still don't have the right heart. But people who have the right heart are able to do a lot better with their actions. But God, God knows. He judges them. We don't. We think we know sometimes, but we really don't. But God always knows. There's no hiding place from God. He used to scare me to death in church when they'd sing that song, All C and I, watching you, watching you, watching you. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine this big eyeball following me around all over the place. <laughs> yep. And my mom even quoted that to me a few times. I may not have seen you, but all watching eyes watching you. <laughs> oh. So uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11 says, Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to death. Don't stand back and let them die. Don't try to disclaim responsibility by saying, you didn't know about it. For God, who knows all hearts, knows yours. And he knows you knew. And he will reward everyone according to his deeds. You know, when a cop pulls you over for speeding, he knows you were speeding. You know you were speeding. You can tell him you didn't know, but he don't care. <laughs> because your opinion doesn't matter to him. And so many times when people say they don't know, they don't want to admit that they do know. Because they're going to be judged. And of course with the policemen, ignorance of the law is no excuse. It's the same way with God. You, you can't say, well, I, I didn't know, I didn't. And there's many times people see something going on and they know they should say something or do something and they don't be, and they think, well, it's not, it's, you know, that's not me. That's not me. Well, the people around you may or may not know that. But God knows for sure when you know and when you don't know. He knows. And so we have to make sure that we are being honest with ourselves about whether we know something or we don't know it. First uh, Samuel sixteen seven says, "For the Lord uh, seeth not as man seeth; for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart." And so we can do a lot on the outside to make us look one way, and there's things we do do need to do on the outside to to make ourselves look the right way, but it also needs to be in the heart, because God judges our heart; He knows. And this is why so many times when people come in the church, we, we need to be, continue to be very sensitive when people come into the church, allow them to receive the Holy Ghost, allow the Holy Ghost to lead and guide them, because once it gets in their heart, the outside will follow. In the past, they used to preach on the outside all the time, and so people looked good on the outside, but they weren't, they weren't good on the inside. Neither one excused the other one not to be done. God says both of them are necessary. He looks on the inward and the outward. On all of us. Uh, Luke 16, 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Too many times we try to justify ourselves. Well, no, this is okay. This is, I'm all right. This is, no. God knows. You're not fooling him. A lot of times you're not even fooling the people around you. 
They just don't like you enough to tell you the truth. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. You know, a lot of times people say that are in a near-death experience, they say, well, yeah, my, my whole life flashed before my eyes. Well, I don't know if that time it did or not, but I do know when it's going to. When you stand before the judgment seat of God, he's going to know it all. He's going to see it all. There won't be any, nobody told me. Oh, you just fast forward two or three times, people witness to you, all the other things. All that thing's going to be flashed back up to you to where you know, without a doubt, God knew all the time you weren't fooling anybody. That's why it's so important to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name so that we erase. That's the only way to erase that stuff. It's the only way. And then we receive the Holy Ghost to keep us walking in the right way so we don't have to be judged by all that stuff. But if we do mess up, we can repent again. Otherwise, those are all coming back. Those are all coming back up. And to me, that would be probably one of the worst parts of hell is having all those things come to your, back to your mind. All the chances you've had, all the things you could have done differently. And that's going to be for eternity. So uh, how do we guard the heart? Uh, all, all systems that, that uh, any physical system anyway, over time accumulates debris. Uh, it's an unfortunate fact of life, but things get cluttered. And uh, if you have kids, your house gets more cluttered. And uh, things get clogged up. It doesn't matter when the pipes in your house were put in. At some point, they will clog up. And uh, they, uh, as we age, the plaque tends to build up in our, in our veins and arteries and gradually restricts the flow of blood. Uh, seagoing vessels... Everything from the small fishing trawlers to the big ships, uh, barnacles attach themselves to them. And uh, sometimes those, those big oil tankers, they can uh, have up to five tons of barnacles on them. Uh, that'll slow you down. <laughs> uh, many rivers have to be dredged because the silt and everything just keeps flowing into it. And at some point, it needs to be cleared out so the water can flow freely again. If you're not careful, our lives can get cluttered up with the debris of sin. Uh, our minds and hearts can be encrusted uh, with the barnacles of ungodly beliefs uh, and our attitude. <laughs> that hinders our relationship with God. You know, when you have attitude, it hinders your relationship with God. Many times you don't want to go to God then because you know your attitude's wrong and you know he will know your attitude's wrong, so you don't want to go because you don't want him to say, hey, <laughs> get that attitude straightened up. And so people don't until it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually, because God allows things to come their way, most of the time, at some point, they wake up and say, hey, uh, God, I'm sorry. I wasn't coming to you. I had the wrong attitude. I was blaming you for stuff that's not your fault. I was blaming you for stuff that was my fault. I was blaming others for stuff that was my fault. You know, uh, we, we have to realize that, that we've got to keep our heart clear. We need to keep it clear for other people, but most of all, we need to keep it clear for ourselves. When you hold a grudge against somebody, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. 
nine times out of ten, whoever you have a problem with isn't even aware of it. They don't know, and yet that's the only thing you can think about. That's why the scripture says go to them, make it right, and that way you can have forgiveness. And so um, if you uh, have things one against another, uh, your ability to experience joy, peace, and power in Christian life is going to be having a problem. When we can clean all that out, then we get back in fellowship with God and one another, and we feel free and unobstructed whenever it comes to living for God. If you're struggling living for God, you need to make sure you, need to make sure you can clear those things out, get them out of there so that God can lead you in the way that you need to be. Uh, once we realize that the heart is and why it needs to be guarded, the question becomes, how do we guard the heart? And so the next blank here on this one, one interesting thing about the Word of God is that it never gives us a commandment. It never gives us a commandment without instruction as to how to accomplish that commandment. That's the case here. We are commanded to guard the heart, and the remainder of the chapter uh, tells us some key ways that we can do just that. So we're still in Proverbs here. The first thing we're instructed to do, according to verse 24, is to put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Froward mouth and perverse lips. What does the word froward mean? I remember this back in Bible quizzing days. <laughs> it means distorted, crooked, or false. Distorted, crooked, or false. This refers to anything we say that distorts the truth. You may not always tell an outright lie, but sometimes you will distort the truth. Perverse lips refer to the crooked, which it relates to a word which means complain, to complain or to murmur. So if you are complaining or murmuring, you're crooked. Murmur and complain. When you look back in the Old Testament about people who murmured and complained, it's a dangerous thing. Dangerous thing. Remember, the ground opened up once and swallowed them up. Not a good place to be in the murmuring, complaining category. Jesus addressed the same issue of being careful what we say when he uh, said in Matthew 5, 11, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. The significance of the tongue, James 3, uh, tells us the tongue is the unruly member. Unruly. James 1.26, it is the test of true religion. Religion. Matthew 12.34-37, it reveals the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart. In Psalms 19, 14, 14, 3, Colossians 4, 6, and Titus 2, 8, we must control our speech. The I'm just telling it like it is is not an excuse to not control your speech. 
You can control how it comes across. You can control the way you say it. Guarding the tongue, Psalms 141.3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Psalms 14, or 141, verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. The psalmist here understood that he could not control his tongue without the help of God. Without the help of God. You and I have all been around people who can't control their mouth at all. <laughs> Especially if they don't have God, they, they just, whatever they feel like saying, they say. Cause them problems, but they seem to never learn, partially because they don't have the power to do it all by themselves. We must realize that the same thing and pray as uh, he did so that we might guard our tongue, which in turn will guard our heart. If we guard our tongue, it will help us guard our heart. Because the things that we say out are going to cause problems for us if we're not following the control that God allows us to have over it. Secondly, we're instructed in verse 25, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Obviously, this does not mean to walk around rigidly staring straight ahead with no regard for what is happening around you. <laughs> and this verse, look, means to scan. You know, just look straight ahead. You, you look back and forth like you're driving, you know. You watch out for the other drivers. Uh, you scan to look intently by implication to regard with pleasure, favor, or care. So scan and care are those two blanks. Satan knows that the mind is easily reached uh, through the eye, and therefore he brings several temptations before our eyes. Uh, firstly, it is a way to bring suggestions. It is a way to bring suggestions to our mind that we had not previously considered. There's a lot of things you wouldn't think of if you hadn't seen something before. Suggestions. Secondly, these thoughts become embedded. Embedded in our minds so that they can return to tempt us when we are weak or discouraged. Embedded and tempt. Thirdly, by constant exposure to certain things and their associated ideals, we become desensitized to them. And this is the sad thing about the society we live in today is our eyes are exposed to so much, so much. It used to just be billboards and a few things, magazines or this or that. Now we have the Internet. Now we have all these games that kids play on uh, video games that are going on and just all the things that are, are exposed to and they become desensitized to them. Why? They just played eight hours on their game killing people. You know, <laughs> just when the video games first come out, the video game that my son and I played was called Tank and it was a little block tank. You could hardly tell it was a tank. <laughs> and even then, and my pastor and I would play together and Sometimes I wouldn't keep up with them. He'd go, come on, Dad, you're killing me, you're killing me. Because <laughs> he couldn't go forward and somebody would shoot him. Now, such realistic games that we have, and there's so much that we see uh, on the Internet and that, that we become desensitized to it. You know, there, there are people who started watching TV and things like that a long time ago who would have 
never thought the same thing that they think today. You know, I, I just, I can't imagine when I was growing up what would have happened if you actually saw uh, a homosexual on TV. It, it just, there's no way. There's no way. And people who believed that at that time, after year after year after year of seeing it over and over, now say, well, it's okay. You know, doesn't matter that the word of God's against it, it's still okay. No, <laughs> the word of God doesn't change. And so we have to make sure uh, that we don't become desensitized uh, to things that aren't good for us. Uh, Matthew 15, 19 through 20 is the next blank. Matthew 15, 19 through 20. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So again, some people who were thinking so much about the minor things when they missed the major things. Isaiah 33 15 through 16. Isaiah 33, 15 through 16. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppression, that shaketh the hands from holding of bribes, that stopped his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be uh, the munitions of the rocks. Bread shall be given him, his water shall be sure. We must be diligent about what we allow our eyes to focus on. With godly discipline, we can control the direction of our vision. But we have to make the effort. It's not going to just happen. Job 31.1. Job 31.1. I made a covenant with his eyes, up my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Psalms 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalms 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. Lastly, we are instructed by verses 26 and 27 of Proverbs to guard the direction we are going. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So ponder. Our direction in life is critical if we ever hope to get where we're trying to go, we think we're going. The old saying is, everything you do may not be right or wrong, but it does point you in a direction. And usually you go from not really wrong to a little bit wrong to a little bit more until you're completely wrong. Um, the psalmist said in Psalms 119, verse 59, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I have turned my steps to your statutes. This is an admonishment to you to do the same thing. We all have to consider our ways and turn our steps towards him. Make sure our life lines up with his word. Not what somebody else thinks, but what the word says. If it doesn't line up, then we, we need to change our direction. We need to make a course correction. Uh, the direction of our feet has a direct influence upon our heart. Where your feet take you, it's going to affect your heart. Uh, the Bible said 
that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. All he did was first looked at the well-watered plains. Then he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then he dwelled in Sodom. Then he became uh, one of the leaders at the, in the gate. He sat at the gate. And then when it was destroyed, he wanted to go to another town. <laughs> so it all starts with where your feet start going. They're going to keep going that way unless you help, have God help you turn them around and go the right direction. Um, Hebrews tells us that if they had been mindful of that country, they might have opportunity to return. In other words, if they had turned back to their past, they were taking the risk of returning to it. Luke 9.62 makes it very clear. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And if you've never plowed, especially with a one plow and a horse, you may not know, but if you turn and look back, <laughs> the horse goes that way. Wherever your head points is the way the horse plows. And so if you look back, you're going to become crooked. <laughs> and it's the same way spiritually. If you keep looking back, eventually you'll probably go back. You can't continue looking back at the things in the past. You've got to let go of the past. You've got to let them stay under the blood if you've repented and been baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to allow that, those things to be behind and keep looking forward. Don't dwell on your mistakes in the past. <laughs> Look forward and be determined to do better now. Uh, the word ponder means to roll flat or to prepare such as a road or to weigh mentally. So roll flat is what the word ponder means, or to weigh mentally. The NIV puts it this way, make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. How many of you have really given serious thought to the direction of your life and the decisions you're making right now? Are you really making sure that you are staying in a level path with God? Are you allowing a few obstacles in the way? And remember, whatever keeps you out of church can keep you out of heaven. Whether you realize it or not, the decision you are making at this time, right now, in your life, or the decisions you are avoiding are setting you on a track for life. If you consider your heart to be valuable and worth guarding, then make sure of every step you take. You should pledge to never take one step, make one decision, or go any direction that would not keep you on a level path with the Lord. You have to make that determination. And so in uh, closing, there's a story told of a man uh, whose car overheated and uh, was stranded out in the desert out west. As the sun baked down on him, he knew uh, he had to find water and help soon. So he decides to uh, wander around the area and look to see where there might be some kind of settlement or some place where he can get some water. Soon his throat is very dry and raw from the lack of water. When he realizes he wasn't even perspiring, he knew he was getting in trouble. He knew his body was rapidly becoming seriously dehydrated. Just then he saw what looked like an old pump handle and a tin can hanging from it. Inside the can was the note. Dear friend, I fixed up this old pump and it works fine. But the leather washers dries it out, and the pump has to be primed. So under the white rock to the north, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and uh, corked up. There's enough water in the bottle to prime the pump. 
but not if you take a drink first. Pour out one-fourth of the water and let it soak into the leather washer. Then pour in the rest, medium fast, and pump like crazy. You'll get water and all the water you could ever want. This well has never run dry. Have some faith. Then when you have pumped all the water you need, fill up the bottle and put it back where you found it for the next fellow who travels this path. The note on the sign of sign desert beat. <laughs> the old pump was the source of life for the one who was wandering in the desert, just like our hearts are the wellspring of life. But just like the pump, if we don't take care of it, we will find our hearts dried up and empty. Desire to flesh would be to say, if you find a bottle of water in the desert, drink it now. <laughs> but how short-sighted is it to drink a little bottle of water when you could have a river of clean, cold, fresh water? Too many people are sat on for a little bit of water and not going to the well. Too many people are, are satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. <laughs> and yet, there's so much more that we can have if we will direct our steps the way he uh, has us to. James 4 at 4, eight. we can stand together. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Clean your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Very uncomfortable being double-minded. But he tells us to purify our hearts. And Matthew uh, 5 tells us, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it's very important that we keep our heart with all diligence because it's the only way we're going to see God. It's the only way we're going to see God. And so I know we're, we're close here, but I would just like tonight, if you wouldn't mind, I know we don't normally have altar service on Thursday night. I'm not going to keep you forever, but if everybody just come up front for just a minute and just want to take just a couple minutes to ask the Lord to uh, cleanse our hearts, to help us to get back on the right path, to help us to do what he would have us to do, uh, whatever Whatever it is that he would have us to do, he, he knows. I'm hoping that whenever you start praying, the Lord will bring to you anything that is a hindrance in your heart, anything that is blocking in your heart. Uh, so whatever comes to your mind, pray and ask the Lord to help you with that because it's very, very important uh, for us to make sure we keep our heart. So let's just take a few minutes here and pray together, and then we'll be uh, dismissed. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you glory.